deep cover patriot does not now nor has ever sanctioned the use of violence to achieve political goals. In the defense of one's country, self, property, and family, the U.S. Constitution is clear, and Christians and patriots are encouraged to follow the letter of the law. And patriots, remember, avoid rallies or gatherings not organized by recognized leaders of the patriotic republic. God bless you, and God save the republic. Patriots and other interested parties. Today is Friday, October 8th, 2021. I am Deep Cover Patriot and the Republic, Republic Stands. Stands. October 1st, John and Nisha Whitehead published the following article on leoholman.com entitled COVID Camps, Our Government Roundups of Resistors in Our Future. And, well, the short answer is yes. So let's get right to it here. Quote, no doubt concentration camps were a means, a menace used to keep order. Unquote. Albert Speer. It is no longer a question of whether the government will lock up Americans for defying its mandates, but when. Here's what we know. The government has the means, the muscle, and the motivation to detain and individuals who resist its orders and do not comply with its mandates in a vast array of prisons, detention centers, and FEMA concentration camps paid for with taxpayer dollars. It's just a matter of time. It no longer matters what the hot-button issue might be. Vaccine mandates, immigration, gun rights, abortions, same-sex marriage, health care, criticizing the government, protesting election results, etc. Or which party is wielding its power like a hammer. The groundwork has already been laid. Under the indefinite detention provision of the National Defense Office, Authorization Act, the NDAA, the president and the military can detain and imprison American citizens with no access to friends, family, or the courts if the government believes them to be a terrorist. So it should come as no surprise that merely criticizing the government or objecting to a COVID-19 clot shot could get you labeled as a terrorist. After all, it doesn't take much to be considered a terrorist anymore, especially given that the government likes to use the words anti-government, extremist, and terrorist interchangeably. For instance, the Department of Homeland security broadly defines extremists as individuals, military veterans and groups, quote, that are mainly anti-government, rejecting federal authority in favor of state or local authority, or rejecting government authority entirely, unquote. Military veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan may also be characterized as extremists and potential domestic terrorist threats by the government because they may be, quote, disgruntled, disillusioned, or suffering from the psychological effects of war, unquote. Indeed, if you believe in and exercise your rights under the Constitution, namely your right to speak freely, worship freely, associate with like-minded individuals who share your political views, criticize the government, own a weapon, demand a warrant before being questioned or searched, or any other activity viewed as potentially anti-government, racist, bigoted, anarchic, or sovereign, you could be at the top of the government's terrorism watch list. Moreover, as a New York Times editorial warns, you may be an anti-government extremist, also known as domestic terrorist, in the eyes of the police if you are afraid that the government is plotting to confiscate your firearms. If you believe the economy is about to collapse and the government will soon declare martial law, or if you display an unusual number of political and or ideological bumper stickers on your car. According to the FBI, you might also be classified as a domestic terrorism threat if you espouse conspiracy theories or dare to subscribe to any views that are contrary to the government's. 
The government also has a growing list, shared with fusion centers and law enforcement agencies, of ideologies, behaviors, affiliations, and other characteristics that could flag someone as suspicious and result in their being labeled potential enemies of the state. This is what happens when you not only put the power to determine who is a potential danger in the hands of government agencies, the courts and the police, but also give those agencies liberal authority to lock individuals up for perceived wrongs. It's a system just begging to be abused by power-hungry bureaucrats desperate to retain power at all costs. And it's happened before. As history shows, the U.S. government is not averse to locking up its own citizens for its own purposes. One need only go back to the 1940s when the federal government proclaimed that Japanese Americans labeled potential dissidents could be put in concentration, also known as internment camps, based only upon their ethnic origin, to see the lengths the federal government will go in order to maintain order in the homeland. The U.S. Supreme Court validated the detention program in Korematsu versus U.S. 1944, concluding that the government's need to ensure the safety of the country trumped personal liberties. Although that Korematsu decision was never formally overturned, Chief Justice Roberts opined in Trump v. Hawaii 2018 that, quote, the forcible relocation of U.S. citizens to concentration camps solely and explicitly on the basis of race is objectively unlawful and outside the scope of presidential authority, unquote. Roberts' statements provide little assurance of safety in light of the government's tendency to sidestep the rule of law when it suits its purposes, pointing out that such blatantly illegal detentions could happen again with the blessing of the courts. Justice Scalia once warned, quote, in times of war, the laws fall silent, unquote. In fact, the creation of detention camps domestically has long been part of the government's budget and operations, falling under the jurisdiction of FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. FEMA's murky history dates back to the 1970s when President Carter created it by way of an executive order, merging many of the government's disaster relief agencies into one large agency. During the 1980s, however, reports began to surface of secret military-type training exercises carried out by FEMA and the Department of Defense. Codenamed Rex 84, 34 federal agencies, including the CIA and the Secret Service, were trained on how to deal with domestic civil unrest. FEMA's role in creating top-secret American internment camps is well documented. But be careful who you share this information with. It turns out that voicing concerns about the existence of FEMA detention camps is among the growing list of opinions and activities which may make a federal agent or government official think you're an extremist, also known as terrorist, or sympathetic to terrorist activities and thus qualify you for indefinite detention under the NDAA. Also included in that list of dangerous viewpoints are advocating states' rights, believing the state to be unnecessary or undesirable, conspiracy theorizing, concern about alleged FEMA camps, opposition to war, organizing for economic justice, frustration with mainstream ideologies, opposition to abortion, opposition to globalization, and ammunition stockpiling. Now, if you're going to have internment camps on American soil, someone has to build them. Thus, in 2006, it was announced that Kellogg, Brown & Root, a subsidiary of Halliburton, had been awarded a $385 million contract to build American detention 
facilities. Although the government and Halliburton were not forthcoming about where or when these domestic detention centers would be built, they rationalized the need for them in case of, quote, an emergency influx of immigrants or to support the rapid development of new programs, unquote, in the event of other emergencies such as natural disasters. Of course, these detention camps will have to be used for anyone viewed as a threat to the government, and that includes political dissidents. So it's no coincidence that the U.S. government has, since the 1980s, acquired and maintained, without warrant or court order, a database of names and information on Americans considered to be threats to the nation. As Salon reports, this database, reportedly dubbed, quote, Main Core, unquote, is to be used by the Army and FEMA in times of national emergency or under martial law to locate and round up Americans seen as threats to national security. There are at least 8 million Americans in the Main Core database. Fast forward to 2009, when the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, released two reports, one on right-wing extremism, which broadly defines right-wing extremists as individuals and groups, quote, that are mainly anti-government, rejecting federal authority in favor of state or local authority, or rejecting government authority entirely, unquote, and one on, quote, left-wing extremism, unquote, which labeled environmental and animal rights activist groups as extremists. Incredibly, both reports used the words terrorist and extremist interchangeably. That same year, the DHS launched Operation Vigilant Eagle, which calls for surveillance of military veterans returning from Iraq, Afghanistan, and other far-flung places, characterizing them as extremists and potential domestic terrorist threats because they may be, quote, disgruntled, disillusioned, or suffering from the psychological effects of war, unquote. These reports indicate that, for the government, so-called extremism is not a partisan matter. Anyone seen as opposing the government, whether they're left, right, or somewhere in between, is a target. Which brings us back full circle to the question of whether the government will exercise the power it claims to possess to detain anyone perceived as a threat, anyone critical of the government. The short answer is yes, and the long answer is a little more complicated. Despite what some may think, the Constitution is no magical incantation against against government wrongdoing. Indeed, it's only as effective as those who abide by it. However, without courts willing to uphold the Constitution's provisions when government officials disregard it, and a citizenry knowledgeable enough to be outraged when those provisions are undermined, it provides little to no protection against SWAT team raids, domestic surveillance, police shootings of unarmed citizens, indefinite detentions, and the like. Frankly, the courts and the police have meshed in their thinking to such an extent that anything goes when it's done in the name of national security, crime-fighting, and terrorism. Consequently, America no longer operates under a system of justice characterized by due process, an assumption of innocence, probable cause, and clear prohibitions on government overreach and police abuse. Instead, our courts of justice have been transformed into courts of order, advocating for the government's interests rather than championing the rights of the citizenry as enshrined in the Constitution. We seem to be coming full circle on many fronts. Consider that two decades ago, we were debating whether non-citizens, for example, so-called enemy combatants being held at Guantanamo Bay and Muslim Americans rounded up in the wake of 9-11, were entitled to protections under the Constitution, specifically as they relate to indefinite detention. Americans weren't overly concerned about the rights of non-citizens then, and now we are the ones in the unenviable 
unenviable position of being targeted for indefinite detention by our own government. Similarly, most Americans weren't unduly concerned when the U.S. Supreme Court gave Arizona police officers the green light to stop, search, and question anyone, ostensibly those fitting a particular racial profile they suspected might be an illegal immigrant. A decade later, the cops largely have carte blanche authority to stop any individual, citizen and non-citizen alike, they suspect might be doing something illegal. Mind you, in this age of overcriminalization, that could be anything from feeding the birds to growing exotic orchids. Likewise, you still have a sizable portion of the population today unconcerned about the government's practice of spying on Americans, having been brainwashed into believing that if you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to worry about. It will only be a matter of time before they learn the hard way that in a police state, it doesn't matter who you are or how righteous you claim to be, because eventually you will be lumped in with everyone else and everything you do will be wrong and suspect. Indeed, it's already happening, with police relying on surveillance software such as Shadow Dragon to watch people's social media and other website activity, whether or not they are suspected of a crime and potentially use it against them when the need arises. It turns out that we are Soylent Green, being cannibalized by a government greedily looking to squeeze every last drop out of us. The 1973 film Soylent Green, starring Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson, is set in 2022 in an overpopulated, polluted, starving New York City whose inhabitants depend on synthetic foods manufactured by the Soylent Corporation for survival. Heston plays a policeman investigating a murder who discovers the grisly truth about the primary ingredient in the wafer, Soylent Green, which is the principal source of nourishment for a starved population. Quote, It's people! Soylent Green is made out of people! Unquote, declares Heston's character. Quote, They're making our food out of people! Next thing, they'll be breeding us like cattle for food! Unquote. Oh, how right he was. Soylent Green is indeed people, or in our case, Soylent Green is our own personal data, repossessed, repackaged, and used by corporations and the government to entrap us in prisons of our own making. Without constitutional protections in place to guard against encroachments on our rights when power, technology, and militaristic governance converge, it won't be long before we find ourselves, much like Edward G. Robinson's character in Soylent Green, looking back on the past with longing back to an age where we could speak to whom we wanted, buy what we wanted, think what we wanted, and go where we wanted, without those thoughts, words, and movements being tracked, processed, and stored by corporate giants such as Google, sold to government agencies such as the NSA and CIA, and used against us by militarized police with their army of futuristic technologies. We are not quite there yet, but as I make clear in my book Battlefield America, though war on the American people, and in its fictional counterpart, the Eric Blair Diaries, the moment of reckoning is getting closer by the minute. The source of this article was Rutherford.org. Constitutional attorney and author John Whitehead is founder and president of the Rutherford Institute. End.
patriots, this theme is becoming more and more commonplace. The rhetoric from the communists in the swamp is ever more draconian. Public opinion is quickly being shaped so that when patriotic Christians are targeted for quarantine, there will be few who will stand up and help us. I say here and now, this is the hill I have chosen upon which to make my stand. I will not allow this clot shot to be injected into me willingly. Not only is that a violation of my human rights as a citizen of the United States, a violation of the Nuremberg Code enacted in 1947, and most of all, a violation of God's will. We are, for the most part, on our own here. However, we have God and our Savior in Jesus. We have nothing to fear from man or devil. They can only harm our bodies. We who are assured of salvation have a higher purpose in this life and the next. Stay safe. Stay vigilant. God bless you, and God save the Republic. Deus Volt. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed.